You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Wednesday, so it's time for Wayne on Wednesday. Wayne McCurry is a portfolio manager at FMB Wealth and Investment in Johannesburg. Wayne, I know you don't indulge yourself in the short-term movements of the market. You know, you're not a broadcaster. You don't have to know this and that all the time. You know, you're more of a long-term investor and quite rightly so. But I was just thinking about it today because I've got a little bit too much time on my hands at the moment. I was thinking about the Russia-Ukraine situation. So yes. It's a nasty situation, but will it blow up into anything? Just like did the when, when Iraq invaded Kuwait, it was a horrible and it kept the markets on edge, but ultimately it amounted to nothing. Ultimately it meant nothing, yeah. Absolutely nothing. So people would buy the dips in the market. But I just looked back at um, the World War Two, and I, I think it would be a fascinating sort of drama documentary to say if the markets were as they were today, in other words, you had internet, you had wireless and, and everything else, instantaneous 24-hour trading. What the market would have made of this declaration at 11 a.m. 1939? Okay, so the market's bowling along nicely. It's been under pressure because of what Hitler's been doing and lots of um, rhetoric and so forth. And the, the statement goes like this. I'm speaking to you from the cabinet room at 10 Downing Street. This morning, the British ambassador in Berlin handed the German government a final note stating that unless we heard from them by 11 o'clock that they were prepared at once to withdraw their troops from Poland, a state of war would exist between us. And this is the, this chilling line. I have to tell you now that no such undertaking has been received and that consequently yes. this country is at war with Germany. Can you imagine what today's markets would have done, how they would have reacted yeah. hearing that flashing or seeing that flashing across their screens? Yeah. Now, look, I mean, who knows what's going to happen with Ukraine and Russia? I think it's just saber-rattling. Yes. And I... I I think the world is a different place to what it was in 1939. In economies are far more integrated. I mean, Russia collapses. I mean, everyone will suffer, but I'm not talking about a declaration of war. Russia's collapse, if Russia oil is embargoed, eh? Russia collapses. They, they, there's no other way to sustain the economy other than oil. It's an oil economy. It's a Saudi Arabia. It's, that's what it is. So if all the, I mean, the, the oil price might go to $200 a barrel, who knows? But if you embargo Russian oil, you are, as a country, they are essentially economically finished. Yeah. And of course, you ban all the access to capital and all those other things as well. So, but I don't think it's going to happen. But just putting that aside for the moment, you spoke earlier on about the invasion of Kuwait and uh, the first Gulf War and the second Gulf War. I've done a bit of a study of this and it includes um, JFK's assassination and the Vietnam War and uh, quite a few Israeli Arab wars, Palestinian, Israeli Palestinian wars and the Serbian War and all of these things. They do not have a lasting, 9 11, they do not have a lasting effect on markets at all, quite frankly. No. Um, they might in the week or the month or the day or the few months, but they do not have a lasting effect at all on uh, markets. They are not primarily economic events. Now, of course, if this escalates into a world war, that's a completely different scenario, but I doubt whether that's going to happen. Even the Vietnam War, hmm. 
didn't, and the Korean War didn't have a lasting effect on markets. Whether markets went up or down was driven by interest rates, economic growth, inflation, valuations, all the other factors that come into account when you're evaluating that. Yes. I, I just I just think it would be fascinating to see that if a war did last five, six years, as World War Two did, how markets yeah. would reaction. You, you could plot this battle, the Germans were dominant, uh, this battle, the Allies uh, fought back and all that sort of thing. What would happen if there is any sort of war, Wayne, and there won't be, as, as you quite rightly say, uh, at least I'm 99% certain there won't be, it'll be a lot quicker than World War Two. And uh, I don't think markets will have yes. much chance to uh, to react on a on a daily basis. It'll be all over uh, very very quickly. Yes, I mean Russia's already invaded the 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 the, the Crimea. Eh? Yeah, and I know there's special circumstances attached to the Crimea, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, but they already Russia is already under some form of sanctions because of the invasion of the Crimea. But they've also got natural but, gas, know, this, which this is, is another problem. Yeah. Yeah, this is the, this this is the problem when you have uh, what appears to be virtually a dictator for life in power, and in all other respects, the Chinese dictator seems a lot more of a reasonable person than Putin. I think more reasonable is not quite accurate. I think he's. A dictator, but in a more subtle way. For example, I saw a headline yes. coming across the screen. I don't know if you've ever watched a film called Fight Club. I've never seen it, but I know it's very, very popular. Uh, yeah. It had uh, Brad Pitt and um, Edward Norton in it. And it was, it was, it was a very high-profile film. And apparently at the end, the authorities didn't win. So I saw a, a headline coming across my screen today saying, China changes the end to Fight Club so that the authorities win. To me, that is as dangerous yeah. as somebody going into the Ukraine. Yeah, but I think you're actually right there. It's just more subtle. Mm. Wayne, looking at markets, uh, obviously the volatility doesn't interest you that much, apart from a bit of a, um, you probably got a smile in your face and see the volatility as a sideshow, but it, 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 it's meaningful. No, got, no, it is relevant, yeah. yeah. We've got the South African Reserve Bank coming out with their decision tomorrow. Do you think they'll raise rates? And if so, does yes. it matter as much as it matters in the US, for example? No, you are quite correct. They will, they will raise rates, but it doesn't matter nearly as much as the U.S. raising rates. The South African Reserve Bank, and, you know, full kudos to the governor, mm. is doing the right thing. He's almost preempting the inevitable U.S. interest rate hikes that are coming. Inflation in South Africa, as we know, is 5.9%, so right at the top of the trading range. So he's got to do something. But, you know, two factors... Our inflation is transitory. You know, we've also got very specific things in South Africa. One of them is Eskom mm -hmm. and their tariff increases, and the other one is oil. Now, oil, there's lots of stories. Oil's going to 100, oil's going to 120. You know, if the U.S. raises rates, oil's not going up. Eh? Well, when they raise rates, not if, when they raise rates, oil won't go up because... Higher interest rates will mean some sort of slower economy. And uh, that should decrease the demand for oil. And oil is, of course, artificially priced because of the restriction of supply by OPEC and Russia. So, yeah, I mean, but all that matters, quite frankly, is U.S. inflation and U.S. interest rates. 
Now, I had a good look at U.S. inflation uh, the other day. Just let me call it up here. Just hang on one second while I just get the program loaded. Yeah, you know, there's very specific reasons for U.S. inflation, and a lot of them, when you evaluate it, is actually transitory. Right. Let's just get. I got. I got the data. Yeah. Okay. There's of the seven percent inflation. About two percent is oil. Yeah. About two percent is used vehicle sales, and another two percent is rental. You know, house owners equivalent rental. Okay. So there's been a timber shortage, so there's no houses being built, so that's the rental. Uh, the new vehicle, the used vehicles, is because there's a chip shortage and there's no new vehicles around. And oil is oil, so as long as oil doesn't go back to 120 by the middle of next year, or, or not the middle of the middle of this year, the year-on-year percentage change in oil is zero. So that will come out of the system. You don't know about the others. But certainly the, the, the oil and the shelter are, 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 are transitory. But the true danger is U.S. wages could be going up. They are already at 4%. And all the other things aren't sticky. Let's, let's just call it sticky inflation. Wages is properly sticky inflation. So if you look at everything thrown into a pot and stirred, when you, when you exclude all all the transitory, all the, all the food, shelter, energy, used cars, used cars, all that sort of stuff. Inflation in America is about 3.5%. So let's call it core inflation is about 3.5%. Now, a lot of that will come down because last year was an exceptional year. The economy grew very, very strongly. Uh, you know, the U.S. last year grew at 5.5% somewhere around there, and it's forecast to grow at 3.8. So, that, so even though the economy is still growing, is growing at a at a, at a significantly reduced uh, pace, and that will take some pressure off inflation. So, the bottom line is, I still think inflation will be two two and a half percent, maybe three percent by the end of this year. And if that is the case, then there's no need for panic move in U.S. interest rates. They are going up, but I don't think there's a need for a panic move in U.S. interest rates. Yeah, the two things in the equation that uh, I've been considering recently is, number one, the wage issue. And, yes, every time we see the non-farm payrolls number, which is a monthly event, the number of jobs created or destroyed in the United States, and obviously they're being created for many, many years since the global financial crisis. It's the first thing. So wages are starting to go up. But also, even before interest rates go up in the United States, mortgages, mortgage rates are going up. I saw a program the other day, and I think there's someone that that had um, a mortgage of 2.5%, a floating rate mortgage. Uh, suddenly is paying three yeah. and, suddenly paying three and a quarter percent, and I think the figure on the yes. house uh, the, the house value involved was one hundred and twenty dollars per month. Now, if your wages are going up uh, enough to compensate for that, then fine. But if not, then that comes out of your monthly cash.
cash flow and therefore you can't yes. buy stuff and therefore demand is diminished and therefore inflation starts to taper off in the future, Wayne? Correct, yes. And that's why I think so, yes. You know, this is, and as much as 2020 was an exceptional year with the, 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 the COVID, I mean, the US economy uh, shrank 3.7% in 2020, and it's grown almost 6% in 2021, that's a big step jump. I mean, that's literally a 10% movement in GDP output. I mean, that's massive. Of course, you're going to get some inflationary pressure, but when the next year's movement is actually a negative 1%, one and one and a half percent, you know, there's far less inflationary pressure, clearly. And, you know, it's actually very interesting, just deviating slightly off the subject. One of the reasons why the Fed dropped this transitory story and started to worry about wage inflation is that their own numbers showed that there were quite a few more people who didn't have a job who could take a job. In other words, there was a little bit of slack in the labor market. And then they got some new numbers and they rejigged their numbers And they worked out something like one and a half million people had made so much money from such an excellent stock market and the tech shares and everything like that, that they took early retirement. So they're no longer in the pool. And that's why they started, they dropped this transitory story. And that's why they worried about wage inflation, because they thought there were an extra one and a half million people slack in the labor market. And it's not, they're not there. They took retirement because they made so much money on tech shares, essentially. <laughs> well, that's a slight generalization, but I know what you mean. Uh, they don't need to work, yeah. in other words, or they can't be bothered to work. Yeah, they'll, a, they'll take their they benefits. They can't be bothered to work because their the investments and their pension plans have done so well in a raging bull market. Yeah. Now, you know, if the market carries on like it is now, you know, they might not feel so wealthy yet. <laughs> sometime this year and they might re-enter the job market yeah it's going to be out of early retirement yeah 2022 you think that 2020 and 2021 were interesting no 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 2022 is going to is going to knock the lights out when it can and the reason why is that the free lunch is over yeah the free lunch for shares is over People in the financial services industry, and I don't include you in that bracket, actually, because although you're in it, you're not really in it. You, you, you're, you're a responsible, yeah. honest human being, which a lot of them aren't. Now, well, most of the time. Yeah, most of the time. Well, I'd say, yeah, okay, let's call it uh, 83% yeah. of the time. They are going to look back at 2020 and 2021 with fondness, saying, God, I really w- wish that we had those days when everything was more certain, because yes. 2022 is going to be chaotic, I think. I think the first before I answer the question, just one other one other factor that actually affected markets negatively but ultimately meant nothing for share markets was of course the COVID. Yes. You know, at a big crisis, market fell forty percent, all of a sudden we're in a raging bull market. So but let's let's answer answer the question. Yes. I think the range of equity outcomes this year is anywhere between minus forty and zero. Now, my my bet is about somewhere between minus 5 and minus 15. That's, that's my bet because I still think this inflationary story is transitory. But if it's not and inflation stays above 5% by the end of this year, then your outcome 
might be a minus 40 or a minus 30. Now, there are some very clear mitigating circumstances for not such a big collapse, even if inflation stays at 5% in the equity market. The biggest one is there's no consumer or financial services debt bubble as we had in 2003 and 2008. And that is enormously important. In other words, these higher interest rates should not translate into an economic recession. And that's critically important because then earnings should still support the share market to a certain extent. The second mitigating factor is that the overvalued shares, the tech shares, are not fly-by-night companies, clearly. You know, the worst that can happen to them is the share price falls. They're not dot-com shares. No. So, so I think normally if, 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 if U.S. interest rates, both short-term and long-term, were going to 5%, the equity market would fall 40. Easily. But I don't think that magnitude is on the table this time around. Even if long and short rates go to, go to uh, 5%, I think the downside might be minus 25 or minus 30, somewhere in that sort of range. But of course, I'm guessing. I mean, I don't know. All that I know is, as I said earlier on, the free lunch is over. But even if when interest rates in the United States do rise more than people like yourself are expecting, and it could happen, uh, as long as it's done yes. in a responsible way with lots of, um, you know, this is going to happen and this is why it is going to happen or this is this might happen, uh, but it's all data dependent. And as long as the market is flagged, it's not as if you're dealing with the uh, Turkish Treasury here or the Turkish Reserve Bank. No, no, you, you wake, no, wake up on a Monday and rates are raised by 15% or something. It's not like that. So but, I don't think no, there would be like 40. That. I don't think there would be 40%, but I no, certainly think no, there would, I, a break would be put on. Yeah. Now, I disagree slightly with that statement of yours. Okay, go on. And let me give some background to my answer. The equity market and currencies over long time periods are super efficient at pricing themselves correctly. So when you look at long-term averages over 10, 15, 20 years, markets and currencies do exactly what they should do. They discount at the right price what they're supposed to discount. But in the interim, why one month would a share market be worth a 1,000 points and two months later worth 500? The economic of, because what that tells you, let's just say when an equity market falls 50%, what it tells you is that the present value of all future profits for eternity have halved. And of course, you know that's not the truth. So in other words, what I'm saying is in the shorter term, markets are overly optimistic or overly pessimistic. That's why you get these massively wild rides in the shorter term over a one or two or three year time period. So to answer your question as to why I think I'm not quite with you on that, even if it's measured, even if it's good, things will be great the one day and the next day the market will fall and it will continue falling. The equity market in the shorter term is a dumb animal, quite frankly. And it will, it will, it will react, you know, the markets are at the absolute highest the day before they fall. Yeah. 
And on that day before they fall, you can't see this thing coming. Like, take the last two days. Is the market's down one and a half, two percent, and it bounces back. Two days later, the market's down another one, one and a half percent. Okay, it didn't quite bounce back, but it's bouncing back now. This is a notoriously, quite frankly, dumb animal in the shorter term. It is incredibly accurate at giving you the price over the longer term. Take the RAND. You evaluate the RAND going back literally as far as you want to, and you just depreciate the RAND by the difference in between our interest rates and U.S. interest rates or between our inflation rate and U.S. inflation rate. Should be the about six, seven percent a year back. or something, shouldn't it? Yeah, it mm. always comes back to that line. Yeah, it can sometimes be way too cheap or way too expensive, and you can get these incredibly wild gyrations around the mean. But over time, the rand does exactly what it should. So, so, but that's what I'm saying. In the shorter term, the equity market can, even if the Fed flags everything, if the market sniffs that. Even if it's flagged, even if you're told about it, even if there's no overnight unannounced movement in interest rates outside of a normal meeting and not in the minutes, it was like Turkey. If there's a sniff that interest rates are going to 5%, the market will fall tomorrow. No matter who's in charge of the Fed and no matter how calm and relaxed they are, the market will fall tomorrow. Markets are very jittery animal in the shorter term. Well, they're jittery and they're dumb. And so what you're doing is every single day working with jittery, dumb animals, which is a scary prospect. Uh, uh, Wayne, let's get on to something. Yeah, well, that's, well, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm one of them. No, I, th I think not. But anyway, let's not uh, do a personal analysis of your character. Let's uh, talk about uh, more important things, and that is food. Wayne, there was a momentous decision made by Mark Rutter and his team in the Dutch government. He's the Prime Minister of the Netherlands. And he said that uh, restaurants and bars can open until 10 p.m. And don't forget, and I didn't realise how long it's been, that these things closed down on the 18th of December. Today is the 25th of January. It's a long time to be closed down. It's a long time, yeah. A draconian measure which has caused me a great uh, seems a deal of anguish. Which seems, yeah, mm. which seems unjustified given the effect of the new variant. Precisely, and uh, I, mean, I wrote actually, a letter to the Prime Minister in that regard. I, mean, I, I honestly, mm. I actually laugh sometimes when I look at some, you know, highly placed government people over the whole world saying things like, it seems it's less deadly. No. Let's not talk about politics. Yeah, what we I need, needed that a long time ago. Yeah. What I need from you, Wayne, is let's say you're in my position now. I know where you'd go first. You'd have your Sunday roast. You'd get there at 12.15 or whatever it is yes. with, your, with your partner. You'd and sit I down. And I missed my Sunday roast. I missed my Sunday roast this Sunday, but that's another story. Okay, well, that's, that's for next week. Where would yeah. you go in my position? I mean, you know I, I like food. If I could go to well, – yes. obviously, I'm going to go to a restaurant and just sit down and say, I'll have a glass of that, please, and can I see the menu? What, what, what restaurant would you go to to break my fast? Man, of course, I can't talk about the Nederland. No, but just talk in general. I'll find somewhere. In, in Johannesburg, mm -hmm. man, there's a place called Casa de Solia, very fancy. Very upmarket, very swish in the Bryanston Shopping Centre. Yes. It's not normally my kind of establishments. I like the slightly run-down, dumpy sort of places yeah. because that's um, I'm, I'm a slightly run-down, run -down dumpy, dumpy person. person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I like I like the, the place that I go to for my Sunday lunch, and it, its nickname is the Bullet Pub, because when I go there, I'm the youngest. 
Oh, that's right. Now yeah, you've told me about this place. I'm, I'm the youngest. But let's let's go back to where I want to go. So this place, Casa de Sol, it's super swanky. Mm. It is just swanky. So it's not my normal sort of hangout. But they have got. I know you're not a, you're not you're not a big meat eater. No. We really seldom eat meat. They have got a beef Wellington there to die for. Oh, really? It's worth every cent you pay for your whole meal and your glass of wine and your pudding or whatever you want. It's worth every cent. It takes half an hour to prepare and they warn you about it, mm. but it is just absolutely delicious. Well, it sounds like a good, it's a good sign because you know that they're not just getting it out the freezer and bunging in the microwave. But Wayne, mm -hmm. what I was really looking for was what category of food what geography of food should i be going for french italian no. uh, no, uh, indian I'm, I'm, what I'm, I'm i'm not i'm not a big italian fan i mean i have had some good italian food but first of all i don't eat italian steaks or chops because they put far too much olive oil in it all right and it's just and they fry it in the pan and it's not good and in some pasta they put too much Cream. Raw tomato in it, and I don't oh. like that. But I don't mind the cream. I just don't like the raw tomato. Oh, right. So I would go Portuguese. Now I know you in. I know you in the Netherlands, mm. but I would try Portuguese. Now there's Sesco's down the road here, from where from where my garage is yes. in Kaya Sands. There's Sesco's in Stradon Park, and Sesco's is my sort of place. There's nothing swanky about Sesco's, and I went there beginning of December somewhere around there. Um, and I had a kilo prawns, split open, grilled, garlic butter, lemon, well, garlic sauce, lemon butter, and some nice chippies, and it was spectacular. Is that that small little shop? It would have been a small shopping centre when I uh, used to hang out a bit because I had a no, friend no. in Stradon this Park. Is next door to the, no, this is next door to the panel beater and across the road from the steel merchant <laughs> And next door to the radiator repair place. And next to the asbestos recycling plant. Yeah, okay, I understand. Yeah, so it's in an industrial area. The, yeah, exactly. It's a proper, but, but I mean, it's a fantastic place. And I've been there more than once. So my sort of places, I like Sesco's, I like the Troyville Hotel, I like the Bullet Pub. Its real name is the Old Rose. Those are my sort of places. But as I said, this Beef Wellington at the Casa de Sol is... Truly outstanding. Okay, I'm going to look for a Portuguese restaurant, Wayne. Thank you very much for your insight, as always. Wayne McCurry is a portfolio manager and foodie from FMB Wealth and Investment in Johannesburg. And that was Wayne on Wednesday. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.